0: brand-new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today.
1: The 76ers and the NFL Draft rounds one
0: through three recap. All right, time to cash in. All right, Shane, the Sixers' second-round opponent is finally determined. It will be the Boston Celtics playing in Boston Monday night. Game one, uh, Joel Embiid's knee is, is a bit of a mystery still. Not sure what we're going to get. Uh, right now, though, Boston is seven-point home favorites after struggling to beat the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, so my first question is, if if Embiid was 100% healthy, what does his line look like? Do you, do you so, think the Celtics are that much? I mean, Embiid's got to play. I, I I Everything I'm hearing points to that direction. It's just a pain management thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's really just a matchup, right? I think that Celtics of all the teams that were in the in the East, the Celtics are the one team that the Sixers don't match up that well against just because they have the long wings, right? So they have the guard play that can uh, you know, compete with our guards, but really it's just the the wings that we don't have. Tobias Harris is acting as our best defender um on the perimeter and that's just not what he excels at, right? He's a, a very good mid-range jump shooter. He's never been an excellent defender. Um, you know, he I give him credit for continuing to Adapt throughout his career with the 76ers. He's had to fill so many different roles with all the turnover of these teams, like even moving from of like a small four to a three during the Horford years with Simmons and Embiid on the court. He's adapted so many times and he doesn't ever seem to complain. So he is. I mean, he's grown on me over the years. However, Putting him against a guy like Tatum. I mean, we need him beaten there to, to to block the rim and just try and uh force the Celtics to take outside shots. Um, unfortunately, there's gonna be some days that they get healthy. I think you remember last year when or when they get uh hot, like Grant Williams hit what, five or six uh three pointers in a game to, yep. to be a, so I think that's going to happen. But uh I, I'd much rather live by Marcus Smart and and Grant Williams and some of those other guys like getting hot for a night and losing the game than just having Tatum and Brown each go off for 30 within the same game.
0: Yeah, I think I think the the key to the series is really going to be you can't you know, you can't have Tatum have 50 and Brown have 40 in the same game. Yeah. And you also, you know, you you really say you're really I mean, you're not going to stop both of those guys every single night. You might be able to contain one of them. But if you have, you know, if you contain Brown and you have Tatum do, you know, say Tatum goes for 35 and then you're. You really have to make sure that Al Horford doesn't have five threes from the corner, yeah. like he did, you know, when, when they played in Philly in the regular season last game. Um, you have to make sure Marcus Smart doesn't really do much scoring on the offensive end. He's their assist leader, um, you know, so he's not not the worst offensive player in the world, but you know, you want to make sure that his his impact on the game is limited defense. Um, and then, yeah, the guys like Grant Williams, you don't you don't need Grant Williams going off on you um, if you're going to have that happen. So. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of good players. um, But the Sixers really just have to kind of develop a game plan and just just stick to it. You see a lot of teams, you know, Brooklyn... Didn't, didn't pay off in the end really but they contained MB just about every game in that series by you know just throwing two guys at him every single time he touched the ball um, sometimes three course, guys yeah yeah, sometimes three but then of course you had you know I, I mean I think you mentioned Tobias Harris I think he was the best player in two of those four games all offensively he played played extremely well and then Maxi just went off in, in most of those games so um you know I think that he, the Celtics under Brad Stevens were really the first team that I, I can remember who just said every time the guy touches the ball, we're setting two bodies on him no matter what. Um, and Embiid certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't like that, but um, I'm curious if that's what what Boston's going to do, you know, knowing that he has, you know, this, this either tear or strain, or we're not really sure what's going on in his knee, but he's got something going on there. So um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I've gone back and forth on this series so many times. I, I, It told you when we looked at the playoffs, all right, the Sixers are going to play the Celtics in the second round. You know, don't have to be a great prognosticator to to know that. Um, And I just said, the Sixers give me absolutely no reason to believe that they can beat Boston. They just, I I have no reason to believe they can. Then I watched Boston play against the Hawks. And I think Joe Mazul got in his own way. And and I was talking to somebody last night, actually. And they said, uh, no, I think Doc Rivers might get outcoached. And I said, he's not getting outcoached by this kid. There's no way. I mean, he did some, some harebrained things in that, that Hawks series, one that basically cost Celtics a game when when um, you know, Trey Young ultimately made a shot at the buzzer, but he scored like 13 That was points. such a great shot.
1: That was such a great It was moment. an incredible,
0: incredible shot. And they just did nothing to adapt to Trey Young. So I don't know that this guy's gonna outcoach Doc Rivers. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, but I, I just have, you know, just just this feeling of of I don't know, Boston's just better than us. I just know that deep down they're better than us. They struggle with the Hawks, you know. The Hawks had a lot going for them with, the, you know kind of a new coach who, who had a couple of weeks under his belt with them. And by that point or a couple months, even in Quinn Snyder, who's a really good coach, Trey young, you know, obviously played well in the playoffs. Um, But, but then on the flip side, I'm just like, the Hawks aren't good. I mean, I know that, and the Celtics struggled with them and, and God, that almost went to seven games. So um, I, you know, I think there, there's reason to believe that, that the Sixers can beat them, but I still don't know where I fall in the series. I, I just don't have, I don't have a feel for it at this point. I thought for sure. Boston would win. Now I'm like, well, they didn't look great. So, Maybe the six is the one. So I, I, don't, I don't have a feel for it at all. So game five against the Hawks when the Celtics played the Hawks. So that was when Trey Young hit
1: that buzzer beer to, to send it to, to game six back home. Mm-hmm. The that wasn't just Missoula's fault. Right. That was a combination of uh, the Celtics players themselves like melting well, down at the end. It was also the coaching or I'm sorry, the uh, the reffing, because that uh, technical foul on Tatum was absolutely ridiculous. Like Trey yeah, Young still shot the ball. Like he shot the ball as he's falling out of bounds and yep. Tatum just blocked it and they called him a delay game or something like that. That was that was crazy. And then Marcus Smart found him, you know, as soon as he crosses half court uh to to give him some foul shots. I mean, that was a combination of just bad mistake after bad mistake and, after bad mistake. Well and that well, all ultimately led to Trey Young with Six seconds, five seconds left with the ball in his hands to win the game, and you know we've seen how
0: that plays out before. First hand, so Trey Young is is a great, great, great shooter. So when you're a great shooter in the NBA, you're one of the you're you're one of the best people to ever shoot a basketball in the history of time. We should know how to defend these guys at this point. I understand that Steph Curry can you know make a shot with with the guy draped over him. That that's one thing. Jalen Brown started backpedaling like immediately. And then Trey Young just said Well, I mean, I, I mean, Trey Young would make you know seven of ten from half court. Mm-hmm. So, what's two steps back? I don't know why Jalen Brown just wasn't draped on him. Well, and it was
1: it, it was a weird. Second, it was just a, the second that doubled because they're sending the double team. That second Marcus Smart start to run up is when Trey Young just did a step back step and hit back it. And that's him. why there was two seconds left on the clock or one At, point, whatever it was. Right, right, right.
0: So th- yeah, yeah. I think that was a part of the confusion, too, where, where they were like, do we double him right away? Do we double him after? We know he's going to shoot the ball as the clock's running down, which which they wanted to do. But he got the shot off before they, they sent the double team over. So, um, yeah, it's, it was just kind of an odd sequence.
1: It's funny because I think back to that. So Dame Lillard has shot like this probably three, four years ago. I think they're playing OKC. And Paul George was defending mm-hmm. him, who's one of the best defenders in the yeah. league, and especially at that time. And Dame shot the ball from what was, it, was 35 feet. Yeah, It's was, it was almost it was half court. two steps in from
0: half court. <laughs>
1: and in the yeah, game interview, I remember, uh, I remember Paul George saying, well, that's a bad shot. And I think yeah. we need to start to rethink I, that type of philosophy. because do, There yeah. are some guys in the league that if that's a 40% shot, that's not a bad shot anymore. Right. That's actually yep. a good shot. And I, I heard Steve Kerr talk, talk about this before, because he was talking about a play where Steph Curry had like dribbled in the lane, like four times. And then he stepped back, like, a little bit and, and shot a fadeaway three. And S- Steve Kerr said, I had to challenge myself because, in everything that I knew through basketball growing up, that's a bad shot. Mm-hmm. But Steph Carey makes that 40%. So that's not a bad shot. He's like, that was on me to let Steph shoot whenever he wants because it's not a bad shot just because that's the way it's always been.
0: Yeah. I, I think the old school, like thinking of basketball, is a bad shot would be a shot that the defense will give you anytime. Like a shot you don't have to work for at all. Yeah, but there we're at a point now, and, and I think like I'm not I'm not joking. I, I probably think that if you gave Steph Curry ten shots from just half court, he would make nine of them, like consistently. Like I'm not I'm not kidding. Like I think that without a I, defender, yeah, oh yeah, 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 without a okay. defender. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think it's that easy for some of these guys. Like you said, and so Damian Lillard shooting from you know ten feet behind the three point line, it's probably not the worst the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know me shooting from the elbow would be a lot lot lower percentage than Damian Lillard shooting yeah. from you know 10 feet behind three point yeah. line. So um yeah I do think that there there has to be some kind of thought on how we guard this. And I mean you saw you just I don't know you just saw Jalen Brown backplotted and knew he was going to shoot it. <laughs> so so getting it. back
1: to the the how Jalen Brown's going to factor into this series, I think you know the, the Celtics versus Sixers, the main difference between you know last year, uh even this you know mainly last year is PJ Tucker, right? Like he's the guy that we brought in for these type of situations to go up and try and limit because you can't shut down these guys. But if you can limit Jason Tatum, if you can limit Jalen Brown and take one of those guys out where they're only scoring 18 to 20 points, I'd say that's a win, right? If you can get them like around that range, like the low 20s and say one of the other guys goes off for 40, like you're just trying to trying to do that enough times that you can not steal games because the Sixers are competitive enough to win it, but to to just be in every game right if you're in every game you have a chance to win i mean that's what they're going for
0: i know a lot of in the net series a lot of pj tucker's time on defense was not spent on mikhail bridges was spent on on uh cam johnson and because I, I think the thinking is you know let's make sure cam i, I think cam johnson had one he either had one really good game or one really good stretch where he had like 14 and and a quarter or something. But um, I mean, ultimately when, when Tucker was on him, he, he struggled, which, which is, you know, what you would expect. And, you know, you know, you're right. I think that you hope that Tucker just just can get on Jalen Brown and maybe, maybe slow him down and you do whatever you need to do for, for Tatum. Um, You know, I, I think that, I think the Sixers do have the, the advantage when they put in that super athletic lineup with, with, uh Jalen McDaniels and B Wall Paul, um, you know, against the Celtics who who are going to be counting with, you know, a guy like like Robert Williams, who, who I like and I think is a is a good player. But um, you know, I think that, that that's an advantage the Sixers have. Uh what way they can bring those guys off the bench. And then if you have the Anthony Melton come out and make shots, that's gonna be a huge part of the huge, huge, huge part of the series as well. Um, but but again, you know, it just seems like every move the Sixers can make uh, the, the Celtics can, can counter it with something, and it doesn't feel that way on on the other end. So, um, you know, I think you need Maxi to be a bona fide superstar by the end of the series. Uh, you're going to need Harden to score, and you have to hope that MB can manage that pain and 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 play every game and and be somewhat productive, um, you know, in the series to to win it. So a lot of things have to go right, but I, I think it's possible.
1: And be- before we talk, let's dive a little bit more into M B But before we get there, the thing that really jumped out to me from the first series, and this goes back to our guard play, is, you know, the first two games, Harden didn't have a foul shot. And I think <clears throat> we saw this last year in uh, in a few of the games, especially when they played Brooklyn, like throughout the year, where those guys knew what he was trying to do. And he's trying to draw contact and they just like go away. So he's sort of flailing and throwing the ball up rather than like taking what they're giving him, which is the easy layup. Yep. So he, he ended up not having a foul shot at all. And The thing that really jumped out to me was how how much he deferred in the fourth quarter. And we've seen this with him in the past, but what I loved was that Maxi was complete opposite. Even with him beat on the court and Maxie want the ball in the end of the fourth. Like if we are only, it's a five point game, whatever he wanted the ball and he wanted to be the guy. And I can live yeah. and die by him missing, you know, a three point shot or him missing like yeah. a floater layup because, because of the, just the confidence I have in him and the confidence I think he has in himself during that time where I don't see that same confidence in Harden right now
0: um yeah i think that i think that's a, a big part of it too is is Harda doesn't necessarily feel like it's weird he he he's really i think people thought you know coming to philly and taking this backseat role would have been really difficult for Harden, but it's almost something like it seems like he wanted it, well, like, you know,
1: it so, so when he moved to to brooklyn it, it seemed like he was because like, right, ha- yeah, right. the, yeah. the whole
0: the whole storyline was there's one ball
1: and all these guys mm-hmm. are ball dominant And Harden said, I'll be the point guard. I don't don't mind having 15 assists a game. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing that, so I used to not like Harden. And then I watched him when I had NBA league pass for a year uh, when he was still on Houston. It was after year two after his MVPs. And the thing I realized was, yes, he does dribble the ball for 20 seconds of the 24 Mm -hmm. second shot clock. But he always makes the right pass. Mm -hmm. So we always waited for that double to come. They were were doubling him at half court for most of that season. And he always made the right pass. He's not an unwilling passer. It's just sometimes it takes him a little bit longer to survey the court in order to make the right play
0: yeah and i think that fans have to understand that he is better basketball than them and knows a lot more and he's a lot smarter about basketball than they yeah. are it's kind of like when you know when you know in, in hockey everyone just screams shoot the puck every time yeah. somebody has it right. on, on a power play it's kind of that same same thing where he knows what he's doing um but i think that he's he's completely he seems completely fine I, look i think that if if the game's online and they call his number he'll have no problem shooting but i think he's no. fine with, you know yeah. with, with maxi Kind of, kind of taking over those fourth quarters and and just doing what he does because Maxi gets to points where he's completely unguardable. Uh, yeah. you, like you just can't stay his with his quickness guy. is because is, he doesn't get tired. It's a fourth quarter and he's he's playing like it's it's incredible. I've never seen yeah. anything like it. He, he just has just well, I mean Alan Iverson, I guess, but he just has all this energy still and and he just blows by people in that fourth quarter. So um, yeah, he, he's he's I really think for them to win this series, he's gonna have to like he'll have to have like a forty point game. He's gonna have to average over twenty and he's yeah. gonna have to be really really good. So moving on to the the big piece, right? The second piece, Embiid, the game three that he
1: played in, I'm I'm really happy that they sat him out game four. I'm also happy that how the Celtics series turned out with going to that game six yeah, to get, get those extra two or three days of rest. Yep. Now, that game three for Embiid, the thing that that surprised me the most was his inability to stay on his feet. So even like some of the plays where it didn't really look like there was contact, mm-hmm. It looked like his legs, I don't know, they were dead. It looked like it looked like he just, like, did squats, like, the day before, but, like, maxed yeah. out, and he was he trying ground, to play basketball.
0: Just, yeah. Weird. He was on the ground a lot that game. And I, and I know, I mean, towards the end of the game, it's like, I, I think that Doc Rivers, honest to God, had to have a thought, like, do we just let Paul Reed close out this game? Because Embiid was unable to do literally anything. He's limping up and down the court. I mean, he wasn't. You know, he doesn't put a ton of effort forth, you know, rebounding the basketball to begin with, but this was just like, I can't even, I can't even jump for it. And when he was, he's just banging into the body. He's going to the ground. Like that, that looked like an injured guy. I mean, he was legitimately limping. So I was a little surprised. I'm sure he said, no, I'll stay in the game and all, and all that stuff. Um But yeah, I I mean, you're right though. He was, he was on the ground, like <laughs> every other possession he was going down. So, um and it's always when he falls, it's always, it's always scary. Cause it's, you know, a seven foot two massive human going down to the ground and it always looked really uncoordinated and really, really ugly. So, um, yeah, I mean, but you're right though. The, the extra two days they got for this going to a game, but the Celtics series going to a game six is it, huge. I mean, they would have been playing tonight. Now they get to play or work recording the Saturday morning. Um, now they get to play, you know, Monday evening, which is, which is just, just, I cannot, I off. Yeah, you cannot explain how, how important that is for, for Embiid. It, it's funny about him falling because I, I
1: sort of, link it back to when you hear about like quarterbacks like learning how to slide and there's some guys that know how to slide and there's other guys that Mm -hmm. when they try and slide it's just like their body sort of just falls in an awkward way so there's like and even like like in in baseball like sliding into second base there's some guys who can do it gracefully where they can pop back up and other guys they're just throwing their body toward the bag i feel like at some point wouldn't you think that someone would like try and help him like learn how to fall grace gracefully because he falls so much and granted there's trust me when you're coming down you're jumping up there's we've both played basketball for you know 10 plus years each and when you fall down there's bodies everywhere you can sprain an ankle mm-hmm. all that stuff but when you're falling five or six times a game there might be something that you can do to improve that, yeah right or at yeah. least make sure that it's not as impactful
0: i'm sure it's something they're, they're looking at for sure all
1: right so this series let's move into the numbers the you mentioned game one, but looking at the series as a whole, the Sixers are plus 250 to win the series. The Celtics are minus 310. Do you see any value in that?
0: Yeah, no brainer. Sixers plus 250. They yeah, can win the series. It's yeah, totally no agree. Yeah. The
1: other series is much closer. And the wow. other series in the East, and that's the Heat at plus 134. And the Knicks are actually favored at minus 158.
0: Yeah, what I'm going to do um, in this series, I'm going to take the Heat to win in seven, exactly seven games. Um, I, I've I, look. The winner of the Sixer Celtics series has a has a good opportunity to sweep in in the in the Eastern Conference Finals because those two teams are going to beat the hell out of each other for seven games. That's going to be an absolute absolute war. And you have two real strategist coaches who are going to be just maxing out their brain power on this series, trying to play that chess match. It's going to be an awesome series to watch. I'm, I'm really excited. And then, you know, you have, you have playoff Jimmy Butler. Now the only, the only thing is Julius Randall's injury. I'm not sure where, where that stands. I know he, he had to leave the last game. Yeah, um, with a, ankle again. yeah it was an ankle thing. Uh, so not sure about that since I assume it's okay. If the Knicks are favored to win the series, but yeah. Um, Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be there's
1: actually they were they were actually talking about with the smaller lineup, the Knicks are playing so much better. So it may have actually benefited the Knicks. They're saying that like Tibbs doesn't want bench Randall because of Randall. He's committed to him through the past two years and Tibbs is committed to his guys. I think everyone can agree to that, but they were playing so much better with the smaller lineup of getting like topping in there and and uh, Josh Hart uh, as the almost like a, a power forward type.
0: Yeah, Hart and Bronson and just incredible. I think I think
1: Vincenzo is going to be there next year as well. Maybe a little <laughs> bit of a uh, revival coming off the bench. But the thing that's pressing me most about Hart. So Hart, I heard like I'm liked up with him and Tibbs. And Tibbs like was walking up to him on the sideline. It's like, hey, I'm gonna give you like like you know, two minutes, and then you you you're good to go back in. And Hart goes, I'll play all four, you If you need me <laughs> yeah, right. like that was his response, like didn't yep. blink. And yep. the next game, Hart played 47 minutes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so talk I, about I, a guy I, who sells energy.
0: I always so so I think you know, I think Spolster is the best coach in the NBA, and I think Tibbs is the best coach in the NBA if he has the right players. And, and I Brunson's think Brunson's the right player. Yeah. And, oh, Brunson's his like like that's his ideal player. Um, and I think that they they finally like they 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 have the formula kind of down right now where they have his, his kind of guys. So um, when he has his players, he he's just a phenomenal coach. This is going to be this is going to be a chess match. It's going to be a war. I, I mean, it's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome series. Um, I can't wait. I, I can't say I'm as excited for the series in the uh, in the West.
1: Yeah, so one of them is is yet to be uh determined, right? We still have yep. Golden State and uh the Sacramento Kings.
0: will go to 7, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh and then the winner of that place the Lakers. So that should be uh that should be interesting nonetheless, but uh so let's start with the Kings and Warriors. So I I <laughs> watched a few games of the series and the first <laughs> two games of the series was the fastest form of NBA basketball that I had ever seen. These teams were both flying yeah. up and down the court.
0: Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Two teams that want to get out, want to get out, run, want to shoot. Um. You know, the Kings have have last night. I saw maybe the tail end of that game or a little bit of the fourth quarter. Um. And it seemed like Darren Fox had had a good game, and he's just one of the quickest guys with the basketball. You know, in in, in the world. So, um, when they play to that that tempo that the Kings kind of want to play to, it, it becomes really interesting because you know I don't I I think the Golden State can can get up and run and everything, but they also want to play a little bit in the half court, especially when you have a guy like Draymond that you're, you know, that you're utilizing on offense. So um, that's, that's a, that's, that is a series that I think we talked about before I said, I thought Golden State was going to, was going to win the series. Um, but I think, think we, we said we expected a long series. So um, that's, that's what we're getting. it should be a really good game seven between, uh, between these two teams. The Kings and Knicks have a lot in common. And, you know,
1: as we will get into the, the Eagles draft in a little bit, knowing that the Eagles have four players now from that, you know, incredible 2021 Georgia defense. But if you look at, we talked about Brunson and, and playing together. Those guys have won two national championships together, played together for three years. This is their, I guess, fourth year playing together. Uh, You look on the other side, you have King and monk and monk is coming off the bench and he's dropping. Like his career has been revitalized. I mean, that dude's on his third or fourth team now. And he was drafted within, I think his top seven pick by Charlotte, bounced around a little bit, ended up with the Lakers and now he's with the Kings. He seems to have found his role, but him and Fox are playing so well together again. Is there something to trying to just match up guys who know how to play together and have like successfully like they've won in the past together? I know that 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 um, Kentucky team never made it all the way, but when you saw those two in the locker room after the game, they're both crying. And like for those guys to do it, like they showed real emotion. They showed how much they wanted. it. Is there something to like trying to find guys that just just mesh together, even if they're not you know, your prototypical like, like alpha prototypical like consistent all star.
0: Well, I, I think one one of the one of the things is yeah, you, you, if guys have played together, especially in a game like basketball, they, they kind of understand each other's tendencies and things like that. Um, the the other thing is when when you're drafting, you know, guys who played under Jay Wright, guys who played under John Calipari, they're 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 gonna they're gonna be well coached coming in, and and you know that that'll be my point when we talk about you know the Eagles the Eagles draft picks. But I think that when you have you know just just guys that have always been you know have always been well coached and can get to the nba and sort of understand what what's going to be demanded of them and and are still you know willing to learn still coachable and and you know brunson Hart, you know these guys played a lot of basketball in college um but but yeah i mean i think that there's there's a lot to be said for guys who just know each other well they know how each other you know they, they just know how each other other plays what they're going to do things like that i think i think that that's a big help <laughs> basketball for sure
1: yeah, I, I think there's also something just good to like some guys, they're just winners, like they know what it takes to win. It may not look great. Like Brunson's game. It's not like flashy, like he's, he's, right, he's, right. he's an old school type of way of like, he's just so great at his footwork is incredible because mm-hmm. he has post moves that like, you know, big guys can't defend. And even yeah. though they have six, eight inches on him, he's yep. just out working them with his feet and get wider no, shots. I, absolutely. So, He's he's so much fun to watch. Jimmy Butler's actually very similar to that. Like his game isn't flashy at all, but yeah. he he just uh he gets it done. Yeah. So the other series in the West is uh so actually I guess first Kings versus Warriors. Who's your what's your prediction for game seven? I I think the Warriors are gonna win.
0: Okay. I think the Warriors will win.
1: Um I I, I hope it's a
0: Kings. I just would like some. Uh, I kinda I I would like some, yeah. Yeah, some fresh. Uh, I'll tell you this. I think either of those teams just just kills the Lakers. I, I really do. Well, come back to it. We're talking about winning guys. I mean, like
1: you have Steph Curry, you have LeBron James, who's what? The seven, seed, seven seed coming yep. back up and, and yep. you know, winning again. We yep. probably should have seen 30 that 38 years old. And it's, it's so funny because it goes back to like Brady all those years where like the team didn't look that good. And then when it's time for the playoffs, it's like, oh, why didn't we just pick Brady again every year? So yeah. it's, it's sort of <laughs> yeah. that way with like it's going to be it Warriors is. and Lakers. And yep. Anyway, yep, uh, the other series is the Suns versus Nuggets. And before we talk about this, I want to talk about the Suns versus Clippers. Watching the first two games of that series, the first thought, you know, when we talked about the Suns hanging into this, I said, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. I think I was wrong. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world when he's on the course.
0: When he plays, yeah, I know. Uh,
1: well, I, I watch that game and that that dude does everything, everything well.
0: I just feel like we got cheated out of that out of that series. No Paul George, you know, quiet Kawhi, Kawhi's hurt. Like it just it just felt like a like a cheat. I think that could have been a lot better series. But man, I wish that guy
1: was still healthy because he's so much
0: fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that was just a uh, um, just a just a bad just a bad series due to due to injuries. I mean, it it sucks for L. A. for the Clippers, but um, I just feel like as fans, you know, the NBA fans got got cheated out of that out of that series, which should have been a good one. But I think that you know, round two is going to be pretty good between Denver and Phoenix.
1: Yeah. So, what's your prediction for that one? uh the
0: Suns well, are minus 136 and Denver is plus 116. Yeah, I, I mean I have Phoenix going to the final, so I I think Phoenix wins the series. Um not, you know, those aren't insane. You're not you're not laying a ton minus 136. So, um yeah, my bet would be would be Phoenix to win the series. I don't know how many games it's going to go, but but I like Phoenix to win it.
1: Place your bets.
0: The first three rounds of the NBA
1: draft have concluded. NFL. Switch gears. Oh boy. <laughs> the first three rounds of the NFL draft have concluded and the Eagles are the clear winners,
0: especially after day one. Yeah, it, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, y- you know, you have to move up one spot to get, to get Jalen Carter, which, which is is completely fine because you know, most people would have been okay if they move up, you know, four, four, four or five spots to get him. Um, big risk, obviously big, big risk with the guy we, we laid out the, the, you know, the case against him, I guess, uh, um, on the last podcast, but the Eagles are a team that can afford to take that risk. Um they have leadership, you know, in in the locker room with with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham on that on that line. Um and then, you know, you have a lot of former Georgia teammates of his on the team. So I think that if there was a situation for Jalen Carter to thrive in, it is this one. And even if this is a miss and and it just and he he shows up at three hundred and fifty pounds and never loses weight and and gets hurt and doesn't play. the Eagles can afford it. You know this. This would, but, but, and I think more likely, he is a dominant player, and you're looking at you're looking at a legitimate, like like a legitimate replacement for Fletcher Cox, where you're not missing any of the production. Um, I think there's there's honestly a possibility that that Jalen Carter plays more snaps than Jordan Davis you know, this, this upcoming season. I, I think that that's a real possibility. And the reason for that is that he's going to pressure the quarterback from a defensive tackle spot. Um, you know, Fletch has done that in his career. Uh, you know, Milton Williams, I think had two or three sacks last year. Uh, Jordan Davis is, is more just creating havoc and and stopping the run. I think that Jalen Carter is a guy who, you know, you're saying we have Josh sweat, Brandon Graham, or Joshua, Hassan, Hassan Reddick and Jalen Carter. You have, you're going to get a lot, you're going to get after a lot of quarterbacks with, with that. If this guy, uh, meets his potential. So I think you got the most talented player um, in the draft at nine. So you, you can't argue there. And then at 30. So, well, I,
1: before we jump to that, yeah. so the the I think we're everyone was excited when Jalen Carr fell. I think it was great to actually move up to that number nine spot, like beings what they had to give up. And it just shows their commitment. You know, as a fourth round pick, like mm-hmm. absolutely do that all day. Mm-hmm. And you nailed it with with that defensive line. Did you first off, did you see Parsons reaction?
0: Yeah. Oh, he just great. could not believe it. I know yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah, that was great. Um, it does seem like, it, like through his comments over the years, that like he wants to be in Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> I know it, it. It really does feel I, that it's, way. It's so bizarre. It's so he bizarre. Sick to his stomach. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh. So yeah, Jalen Carter, especially with Jordan Davis, he like Jordan Davis requires two bodies to block him just yes. because of his, his sheer size. size. Yeah. And if Jalen Carter, even on rundowns, is being single block, like it's not just a, a problem
0: for the quarterback. It's a problem for the running backs too. Yep. Absolutely, it's that that defensive line is going to be absolutely elite. It and really is. You talked about the importance of having the
1: veteran leadership, and I couldn't agree more. I think those guys are going to show him like this is how we do it. Not just in Philadelphia, but this is how you do it to you know have a 13 yeah. year career, right? Yep. yep. The one of the best things that that I heard this week was not just the veteran leadership within the defensive uh, line room, but also uh, from Jason Kelsey because. Jason Kelsey is going to hold him accountable as well. And they said, if, you know, if, if Jalen Carr wants to take plays off, like he had been known to in college, Jason Kelsey will put him into the, into the field, right. He'll he'll try and put him down and he's not going to lay up because that's just not the type of guy that he is. So I think he'll, um, he will try and humble him quickly. Um, it's also, you know, I think what I heard from the, the Georgia side of it was in that defensive line room, Jordan Davis was looked at as as the alpha in that room. Like he was looked at as like the best guy. So, coming from I guess last year when when Jalen Carr was the man, coming back and just seeing like okay, I'm I'm with this dude again. He's he's pretty good. He has my respect. And then also seeing the veterans in there, it's it's just really a perfect uh, a perfect fit for him.
0: It, it it's it is an ideal ideal scenario, no doubt about it.
1: With the thirtieth pick, they took Nolan Smith, and again there were many mocks that had the Eagles taking him at 10 where it stood. They just sat back and waited and and let the the draft sort of fall out the way it was. And it, just, it couldn't have, it couldn't have ended any better.
0: Just bizarre. I, I don't know why he was still there. And usually it's a guy who, okay, the season ends and you're saying, okay, maybe this guy will be, you know, like a late first round or second round pick. But then in the combine, he's off the charts on all, all the stuff that I don't care about that usually propels a guy. Troy Apke comes to mind. Like, he still falls to 30. It made no sense. That 2021 like, Georgia hey, defense was the greatest that I'd ever I, seen. I, I just, won a I know, lot of money on that team. I, <laughs> yeah. I
1: took them every single week in the first yeah. half and I made a lot of money on them. So I was fully bought into watching all of their games. And that was the best defense I've ever seen like across the board. So to have four of those guys, and it's not just having four of the guys, right? I think it's for having four of the most important guys absolutely uh, on that team. So you know we'll see what happens uh with with who else they pick but you know they um they they're just positioned to uh to again have that type of continuity that they know where each other are going to be they trust Dean to make the right call and and move them um based on what he's seeing as that defensive quarterback so i think uh i think it's it's going to be a fun year to watch uh watch the defensive line
0: and then quickly uh you know the other the other two picks were 65 and 66 after a really interesting trade with um and and i was i was out last night and i'm kind of following my phone the texans wanted to trade up to draft juice scruggs from penn state and juice scruggs was you know team captain a good leader a very good player on, on a good offensive line but he was not supposed to go in the second round of this draft um so i think a lot of it has to do with with Again, I'm assuming he he performed in the combine as most Penn State players really perform well. Their, their strength conditioning is always good uh, leadership guy. But to move up, I was so surprised by that. And I thought it was an, just a great deal by Howie. Now you're picking, you know, you move back to 65. You have that 66 from the settlement with the tampering from whatever. The and, and with yep. the, the Cardinals and with those picks, you, you take, you know, offensive tackle from from Bama, uh, Tyler Steen yep. at 65. And then you take, uh, you know, the safety from oh. Illinois City Brown, who we, we who we had mentioned. Uh At 66. So you feel needs there. And I think that the other the other thing that I just wanted to, you know, I I pointed out earlier, but I think when you're drafting Georgia guys, you know, they're coached by Kirby Smart and will must champ for for, you know, portion of, of their defensive success. Um then you have a guy, you know, from Bama, and you know he he's getting coached up really well. And he's another big body. And I think that Jeff Stoutland had a lot to do with with that selection. They said that like Jeff Stoutland's over the moon, over the moon getting this guy in. Um, and then you know, you got Cindy Brown, you have Brett Bielum, a coach in Illinois, and they had a great season. Um, he's he's a little bit undersized. I think he was something five, five, nine and a quarter or something like that. So um, you know, I I, I like Again, didn't stand out to me, but I probably only saw him play when they played Penn State. And I just don't remember the, the name. Um, but I think that that's a need they wanted. And if they said, all right, this is the best safety on the board right now, let's let's go get them. Yeah, they needed a safety. So I think that yeah. that's a good one. And he's probably well, you know, well coached in college. So I think that those are the kind of players that that the Eagles are starting to target.
1: Yeah, I think I think he has a really Brown has a really good uh possibility of starting day one for the Eagles. And I think there were there were three safeties that I, I loved offensive tackle and uh, safeties with that third round pick that we had in the nineties. Yeah. And luckily they moved up to get one of the, some of the better guys, but between Steen and Duncan from uh, Maryland, I want one of those two guys at, at offensive tackle, just because I thought the value for where they're being um, where they're listed was, was beyond, you know, their, yeah. uh, their town, they at that, that pick. And from the defensive side, I mean, between Jair Brown, Sidney Brown and uh, JL Skinner, I want Sidney Brown above all of them, but there were some mocks that had him going like early second. Mm-hmm. So to have him still there and to to take that, I think it's just a it's a quality pick. Like you mentioned, it's yeah. there's a chance that he can come in and start day one. There's the guy Steen, who is a tackle for Alabama, again, a great program who can come in, learn from veterans. You know, he's he's a replacement immediately for Dillard in either offensive tackle spot. Yep. Yep. So it's it's just a quality pick to to just with that one just continue to have the depth that that made us successful last year which exactly. was our offensive line defensive line
0: and for 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 a team like the Eagles who who really don't don't have a ton of holes Depth is the name of this draft. And, and yep. that's that's what they've done really well. So I think it's been a just an all just a great draft so far. I mean, they could really take whoever the needs next uh three picks today, and I wouldn't really care. It's it's, but it's been an it's awesome also draft.
1: That trade that you mentioned. Now we have the the extra two picks, I believe, from Houston uh oh, that's great. going yeah. into today, where before this we only had a sixth and a seventh. So yep. there's um again, there's just more possibility to either trade up to get to get one more guy that you think might be able to help us immediately, or just Bring in some guys who can compete for jobs and, and try and fill out that depth. So uh it's it's uh it's been a great, great draft. I think one of the, the most exciting ones that I've been a part of. The yeah. Eagles Super Bowl odds have jumped up and they are now the second favorites to win it this year at plus eight fifty.
0: Wow, is that behind KC? Yep.
1: KC All is right. plus six
0: hundred. All right. Let's let's do it. Hope for a rematch. Yeah.
1: Place your bets. For Jerry Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself.
0: Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?